The views, opinions, and content of the show hosts and their guests appearing on America's Web Radio are their own and do not necessarily reflect those of the station. You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening. It's time for David's Pick on America's Web Radio, and we've got a gentleman in today that uh, we had on uh, a while back, and it's been a good while, actually, and I didn't realize, Keith, that you'd been in on Christmas Eve. Um, yeah, I think I've, I've been here twice before. Yeah. But yeah. yeah and, like today, I was filling in for a cancellation, I think. Yeah, it's, uh, and we're always proud. It's Keith Vogel, and... Uh, uh, Bogle, not Vogel, Bogle. And uh, we're glad to have Keith in. I guess uh, I don't know what's gotten a hold of me today, but something must have and uh, is uh, sort of doing its thing. But anyway, um, we're glad to have Keith back. And uh, Keith and I share a common term Vietnam veteran era. And uh, except Keith spells it the right way, I spell it. Um, he spells it E-R-A, and I spell it E-R-R-O-R. But, Keith, welcome back to America's Web Radio. Thank you, David. I'm glad to be back. It's good to see you again. Well, it's uh, we love having our vets on and, and friends on that have, uh, you know, served our country. And like we were talking uh, previously, we always... Uh, we respect our vets, and it doesn't matter how you are a veteran, meaning whether you served as a reservist or you served uh, on active duty. Uh, we all raised our hand, and our our good buddy Rick White would be the first to say that, that, uh, you know, it, we were all eligible to go. And, uh, Keith, I think you, you probably remember that we always start off, and you, you can appreciate this, is you're also the chaplain. Is that right? At, no, 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 no. Okay. I thought it had said something on, on one of your sheets. that. At, uh, no, I'm the vice president and captain, and captain of the Color Guard. Yeah. Okay, well, anyway, we always start our, our shows off with a moment of silence for our veterans and for our folks that are on active duty and uh, I put a plug in for my son who is on active duty in the Air Force and uh, is um, PDY out of the country for the next uh, few months so anyway uh, we'd like just to take a minute and think about those that are have served and those that are serving we'll be back right after this
And as the uh, music is winding down, I want to throw out one other thing that we need to uh, pray for our situation in the Ukraine, that it doesn't become more complicated and uh, that we don't have to commit troops to that area. And we certainly sympathize and pray for the folks in the Ukraine that they will come through this and that uh, the dictator will get what the dictator deserves. So keep those thoughts in mind, please. And uh, the other thing that we do is try to get everybody motivated and ready for Keith because we don't know what Keith's going to pull on us today. But uh, it will be a good show, and we'll be back right after our cadence call. you um, Keith as you were going through basic and all this stuff you gotta admit that those cadence calls got us through sometimes I sort of enjoyed it I ended up being a dorm chief which was like the highest ranking uh, enlisted in the training group and I got to um, after the first couple of weeks our TIs weren't there on the weekend so I was in charge of the group marching them different places and I best thing was I got to set the uh, the schedules for KP and color guard, I mean, a dorm, dorm guard, or door guard. We were in these night, uh, World War One barracks. Oh, yeah. So at, we're, where, where did you do your basic? At, at uh, Lackland oh, in, okay. in San Antonio. And so it was predicted it would take less than two minutes for one of those buildings to yeah. burn to the ground. So you had to have guys on uh, fire guard. Yeah, and they go around and fill the wall around every electrical outlet every 15 minutes to see if it was hot. So I'd always schedule mine for either the first two hours after lights out or the first two hours before lights on in the morning so I could get ready for the day or, re- or prepare for the next day without being rushed and stuff. So I sort of took advantage of that. We, uh, we stayed in the same barracks at Fort Ord, so yeah, they, uh, we called it the matchstick jungle. And yeah, but I sort of hard, it's hard to think of the Air Force basic training as basic training compared to um, male and females I know in other services that had it a lot rougher than we did, but... Yeah, well, so we got to wake up uh, to Reveille and uh, go out and do our mile or whatever mile and a quarter yeah. run. And uh, I don't know what you guys in the Air Force did, and my son won't tell me what he does now. So uh, it wasn't it wasn't too strenuous. I don't think I don't remember <laughs> too strenuous. Other than uh, the PT qualifying at the end of basic training. So I mean, we even only fired M16s once at the range. But oh, oh, I you know this is something. Uh, I don't know if you and I talked about it before, but uh, it's been 40-some-odd years since I went through basic training. And, uh, oh, more like 50 years, come to think of it. But anyway, I don't. I know I don't look that old, but <laughs> and, and I'm too dumb to think that old. But anyway, uh, you know, every now and then, and I don't know if it happens with you, but, uh, you know, going through basic and... Uh, getting to know your di or getting to know your lieutenant or whatever and and it was a lot more segregated then than it is now you know there's my son is is a major and yet he'll have some nco friends Mm -hmm. which when i was in that was a no-no you didn't 
you didn't mess with the officers and they didn't mess with you but it's changed and it's changed for the good probably but every now and then for lack of better words i'll call it i've called it flashback but that's probably not really the word but you know when you're going through basic and uh you know i I guess one example i don't know if the air force i don't guess you all ever had to do this but it had to low crawl or or you're doing some something and you're why in the hell are we doing this this is the stupidest thing i've ever you know and yet i'll have a flashback and think okay that's why we did it yeah and some of that comes back to make sense later on we went through basic there was some animals we had a, a black uh buck sergeant and a white tech sergeant with our ti's and they didn't get along together hmm. so there was a lot of animosity between them at but then after basic, I went to language school, which required a security clearance. And so it, you had to get to a certain point in your, the background check before they would send you to, out to California to the school. Yeah. So we were put in a casual status is what they said. Now, some guys, most guys went out of basic. They were off to tech school that night or the next day or within a day or two. Others were maybe a week, and they would be out the guys that would wash windows and mow grass and stuff like that but we were in a prolonged casual status so we had more permanent positions but we we went and met up with our tech sergeant he took us out to a gentleman's uh, just move the mic a little bit closer to you please that uh, we he, we our our tech sergeant took me and my buddy out we were i was a dorm chief and my buddy was uh fourth squad leader and he took us out to a gentleman's bar one night during um this casual period and we rehashed what and he was really apologetic to us that our session through basic was as disjointed as it was and he attributed it to the anim, you know the the lack of coordination between him and the and the assistant ti so that was a little strange but it became part for the course of my military history i mean you know nixon was president when i went in he resigned on my birthday while we were in language school and then he had to Jerry Ford coming in in, in the Jimmy Carter year, so it wasn't the best time to be in. uh, And you still had people coming back from Vietnam, a lot of animosity towards the troops that fought in Vietnam and stuff. So you were you were at the uh, Presidio, right? Yes, sir. I just driven through it. I that that's all I can say I've ever done with it, but uh, just driven through it. I loved it. The best NCO club. You'd sit at the bar at the NCO club, and behind it was all glass windows look overlooking Monterey Bay. Mm-hmm. We had an apartment off base, and go to sleep with the windows open at night and listen to the seals and sea lions down on the Coast Guard uh, point down in the – get serenaded sleep by the seals and sea lions. That was pretty cool. I liked it. You know what's funny? Or I, I say it's funny. It's not that funny, but uh, my dad was at the Presidio uh, during – before – well – after World War II had started, he uh, they sent him first to. Uh, now this is a poor guy from Texas, you know, and he he sold his business immediately right after December the seventh, and he had a big lumber yard and uh, was fortunate to find somebody that that bought it immediately, and uh, so he went in as a. Uh, I don't even understand the naval ranks, but as a lieutenant, just like in the army, and uh, then he, uh, they sent he and my mother and my older sister. He went to Harvard, and uh, he was in intelligence. And uh, then from in- from there, they sent him out to the Presidio, and 
you know, I know my dad didn't learn any other foreign language. I'm not sure what he was doing there. And then uh, from there he went to uh, to Hawaii, and from there he, uh, by that time, he had already spent like two years in, and he was a lieutenant JG at the time, and uh, then he went to Hawaii. And, uh, you know, he... <laughs> He was traveling around going to different schools while somebody else was doing the heavy lifting, but uh, he wound up helping set up uh, Radio Tokyo. Mm. After, it was obviously after the war or after they had uh, had the peace peace talks or whatever. But right. anyway, it's, uh, the Presidio is is a beautiful area. God. Yeah, I loved it. I, now, I understand that Fort Ord is gone, but uh, the Naval Postgraduate School, and my understanding is Presidio is still there, whether it's still used for the language school or if they do it all with uh, you know the new technology or whatever. But it was pretty interesting because anybody for the federal government that needed a language went to school. At one time, there was a language school in Maryland and one in California, and then they consolidated all there. And it depended on the branch of service you were in and how your language is going to be used as to how your training was geared. Like I was in the Air Force, and our training would have been, we would have, I was an Arab linguist, so we would have been stationed in Athens flying over the Middle East. Uh, intercepting radio communications and getting a gist of what's going on. I, for, for a matter of fact, when we got to the point that it was the military, the, the focus of the tra- language training was on the military aspects, one of our instructors was a Navy guy who, however long it took in 1967 to intercept a message, translate it, and communicate it to the White House. But anyway, he's the one that captured the message that eventually was notification to the White House about the Arab-Israeli war in 67. So, And, you know, like, but anyway, the Air Force, it was basically reading and and listening comprehension, but not necessarily speaking, whereas if you were in the Army and Marines or whatever and doing embassy duty, then you were taught more of the conversational type, but it all depended on how how your language was to be used. Keith, we're going to take our first break. We'll be back with Keith Vogel right after this. If you have lost a loved one and were left with a firearms collection and are not sure how to dispose of them safely, or you may have firearms you no longer want, this message is for you. I am a licensed FFL firearms dealer in the state of Florida, specializing in estate firearm purchases. It is very important that all firearm transactions be handled according to state and federal laws. You can contact me for information at firearmliquidationservice at outlook.com, or you can call or text me at 407-921-8100-247 and ask for James. Again, for information contact me at Firearm Liquidation Service at Outlook.com or call or text me at 407-921-8100. All communications are strictly confidential. Do you love classic and special interest cars? If so, listen to our podcast every Saturday from 9 a.m. to 10 a.m. Eastern Standard Time here on America's Web Radio or find us on your favorite podcast site, iTunes, Spotify, or any of the others out there. We'll talk about classic cars. We'll talk to car guys. We'll talk to clubs that are here at our facility here in Classic Auto Mall. And we'll also talk about Classic Auto Mall and how we can help you sell your classic or special interest car. So give us a listen every Saturday morning from 9 a.m. to 10 a.m. Thanks. You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening.
You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening. Okay, we're back on uh, David's pick, and uh, I think it must be the Bears Day or something. Uh, I can't seem to get my act together, but that's okay. It's uh, my show, so what the heck, you know? And I can't fire myself. I've already tried that, and that doesn't work. But we're here with Keith Bogle, and uh, Keith and I both served basically the same times, more or less, uh, back in the 70s, and... uh, during the Vietnam era, and you know, this is uh, something we talk about. That uh, one is that, as you, you as you know, and like when I came back from uh, California from Basic, you know, ordered not to wear my uniform because of the way people were being treated in airports, and it was sort of hard. The biggest problem I had, I don't have that much hair to begin with, and the biggest problem I had, I couldn't. <laughs> couldn't hide my haircut so it was pretty obvious that I, I might have been in the military but um, you know today is is all different and uh, I always like to give my little spill about if you're a graduating senior from high school or from uh, college or you've got your degree or whatever your situation might be and you're you still haven't really quote unquote found yourself please look at the military I and I keep saying this and somebody's going to hold me accountable one of these days but I guarantee you that some branch in the military has exactly what you want to do with your life and if a grandmother grandfather, parents are listening to the show bring this up with your kids that uh, you know the military is a great option and you don't have to be, you know, yes, there are some situations that we might not like our kids in. Like right now, I'm not exactly overwhelmed by where my son is, but um, that's part of signing up. And he's having a good time. He and his wife both have uh, seen the world via your tax dollar, and uh, it's just been great. And he loves it, and I think that... Uh, He'll wind up being a, uh, it'll be his career. And I I applaud our government for going the volunteer route. And also, they have had enough foresight to say, okay, how do we keep these people in? That we train or we do this, particularly when you get into the pilots or you get into some of the naval officers and so forth. But... They figured it out. We've got to be competitive with civilian jobs. And they are. The military is quite competitive. And what you can learn today in the military is just outstanding. So if uh, you're undecided or parents, your kids are undecided, please have them take a look at the military. They'll love it. So let's get back to why Keith is here. We're going to talk about... John's Creek and the Wall? Yeah, the John's Creek Veterans Association. I wanted to give you an update on some of the things that's happened since I was last on here. Um, In John's Creek, we have the Veterans Memorial Walk, which is a four-acre corner of Newtown Park that the city gave to us, and we developed our Veterans Memorial Walk where we have plazas for every conflict from World War I all the way through Afghanistan and Iraq, we have special plazas for women in service, 
Purple Heart, POWMIAs, and others are planned. And then we added to that. In 2017, we hosted the Traveling Wall that's the replica of the Vietnam War Memorial Wall. And we had, during its, its few days stay there, we had the largest turnout and raised the most money of any stop during its five-year tour. So when it came time for it to retire, we put our names in the hat to secure it for permanent display. We won the competition. We put it together, and between the wall and the Veterans Memorial Walk, our Veterans Park there is the second largest privately funded Veterans Memorial in the country outside of D.C. Now, we we started work on the wall in the end of 2019. We finished it up in 2020 with the expectation of dedicating it by Vietnam Veteran Memorial Day, which is March 29th. <clears throat> but because of COVID, we were shut down. But we did have it open. It was open to the public by Memorial Day. But because of all the lunacy of the last two years, we weren't able to finally have an official dedication of it until uh, the 13th of November last year. It was a beautiful day. We had hundreds of people in in uh, attendance. We had a C-17 flyover that was uh, sitting in the second chair. Anyway, he was in the cockpit with the crew in the cockpit was the son of one of our members. That was pretty cool. They flew up. It was a training mission. They flew up out of South Carolina. Thanks to the governor and several Georgia officials, we got that, that handled. And it was a very wonderful day. And we were able to – and it was very interesting. Rick White was there, as he's been on your show several times. And Rick did two tours in Vietnam. And he, I've been to it in D.C., and you see it there, and there's these panels with the names. But they don't always – stick with you. Now, panel 30, 31, line 57 is the name of a kid I went to school. I, I went to church. He went to our church and went to the same school as I did. Died in Vietnam February 60, uh, 68, 19 years old, Marine. But Rick was there and he's telling, he's putting a, fa- a story to some of the names on the wall, including like his team medic who died in his arms. And then they had um, the the head of the Vietnam War Memorial Foundation in D.C. was one of our speakers. And he added some reality some, to some of the other names on the wall. So it was very, very poignant. And then we have a, people that goes to visit there. We have a sign there with a QR code that they can go. And by accessing it on the website, then they can go and find a particular name on the wall. Give the name. It'll tell them what pa- panel, what line. And gives an opportunity for people to make a donation if they want to. You know, Keith, let me uh, – pardon me. Go ahead. No, go ahead. I was just going to ask um, – and and you're quite obviously quite involved with it. Uh, but – you know, it's my age group and yours. Like you said, you you found a friend that you'd been in high school with, or whatever. And what what are the long range plans for the wall when you're gone, I'm gone, and Vietnam doesn't? It's a couple of pages in a history book, maybe. And you know, they're going to run out of. I, I, you know, I've been to D.C. and I've been to Newtown, and 
you know, it's sort of because of my age, it's it's sort of you get wrapped up in a feeling almost, you know. There's almost vibes being put off by the wall that, that hey, these were these these guys but for the grace go I, you know. And uh so what's gonna happen tomorrow when we're gone and and kids the kids today what was Vietnam? Well, Part of that will be left up the city of Johns Creek because after we developed, we turned it over to the city. Um, you know, but Johns Creek v- builds itself as a Purple Heart city, yet we have a Purple Heart Recognition Day and nobody from the city shows up. So there's that. And there's. there's Danbury didn't? No, no, Bradbury. No, he was running for office, Bradbury. so he, was, no, okay. he wasn't there. But. Um, but well, we have an, an education problem right now. The number a a we're working on signage because people don't even know where it's at, and they even go to the park, but they don't know how to get to it. So we're working. It's a continual struggle to get signage within the park as well as signage to get for people to get to the park because it's it's a heck of a tourist attraction for the whole state for North, for not only Johns Creek, Alpharetta, North Fulton. North Georgia, the entire state, and with all the interstates coming through here, snowbirds and everybody going to Florida, whatever, it's quite a it's quite an attraction. I mean, there's actual an arc of veterans memorials from Peachtree Corners all the way over to Alpharetta, Roswell, and possibly even Milton. That would be a great um, uh, dr- should be a draw if if properly uh, promoted. But we have people come through the wall, come through the park, and. They'll they'll see it and they they don't know what it is. They don't know what it represents. And these are people our age. And what is that? Is that the number? Is that the Georgians that died in the war, or is that just I don't know? Just we get some really silly questions. But then again, then you get the guys that come out and they go to a panel, and then they they gingerly touch a name on the wall, and then they pull a photo out and show them a picture with them and their buddy in in country. And they came home, and their buddy didn't. So that's that's why we do it for those memories like that. And it's it's called the Wall that Heals for for a very good reason because uh, there's a lot of people that veterans that cannot still bring themselves to go to the Wall in D.C. It's just too powerful for them. But here they can go out there at any time of day or night and and have their own moment with it. And um, it it is it truly does have healing uh, properties. Well, it, it it can bring a closure where other things don't necessarily, and uh, it can you know I wonder what happened too, and uh, you go you check out the wall and you find out what happened too. And we have know. organized tours of the Veterans Memorial Walk where they the the. The guides are knowledgeable and have something, some knowledge to share on each one of the plazas. But you have to look at it at our age too. When our parents, they they grew up during World War II, sure. and a large percentage of the population, a much larger percentage of the population, served. And then Vietnam with the draft, a whole lot of people served. Today, it's like less than one percent of the U.S. population serves, and so that connection to the military is is being lost and when you send the same guys when you send the same guys back to fight uh, another thing I was going to talk about is on so amongst those plazas that we had one was the Afghan memorial and 
we put it all together to raise the money, but then we saw individual sponsorship for each one of the plazas. So the Knights of Columbus stepped up and decided to underwrite the Afghan Memorial. So on the 6th of November last year, or no, it was on the 17th of July last year, we had a, a, a ceremony there dedicating the Afghan Memorial. And the Knights of Columbus did an excellent job in putting on their presentation. This turned out to be more important only a few weeks after. Oh, and at that dedication, uh, Colonel White's son, Graham White, a colonel who had just returned from his ninth tour in the sandbox, this time as commander of the 3rd Ranger Battalion from um, Benning, uh, he gave us his perspective on the war. Now, a few weeks later is when the debacle happened in Kabul, And I've often wondered if he would change his words any after seeing that. (laughs) But then on the 6th of November, the the Knights of Columbus held a special ceremony honoring the 13 Afghan dead. We believe that that was the first and only event so far where all 13 of those that perished in Afghanistan had been recognized in one event. Hmm. And it was a combination of the Knights of Columbus and the Johns Creek Veterans Association. And it was very poignant. We had um, in front of the each one of the plazas, there are bricks that people can get, purchase a brick to commemorate someone's service or to thank the veterans of that particular era. And so we had the 13 bricks. Go ahead. We had the 13 bricks, one for each one of the service people who perished that are there immortalized. And a video was taken of that as well. And it's at right now, I believe it's at the Commandant of the Marine Corps' desk for final approval, where afterwards a plaque that's being made, photos of the thing in a very beautiful frame, plus the uh, saved uh, yellow roses that we put out for each one, as well as a copy of the video is going to be sent by the Marine Corps to each one of the families. That's fantastic. We're going to take uh, another break, and we'll be back with Keith right after this. If you love classic cars, you're going to want to listen to The Classic Car Show with Tom Cox and Richard Lentinello on America's Web Radio, live every Saturday at 8 a.m. Eastern at americaswebradio.com or on demand on your favorite podcast app. Veteran-owned, America's Web Radio would like to thank all of our incredible patrons. We wouldn't be able to do this without you. If you are not already a patron, you can help us continue to produce some of the most informative and entertaining shows on the Internet by becoming a patron. Patrons of America's Web Radio are the first to receive information about new shows and links to the latest podcast episodes. Join now and receive a free gift while supplies last. For more information and to join our family, please visit www.patreon.com slash America's Web Radio. If you have questions, contact us at gm at americaswebradio.com. And as always, thank you for listening. You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening. And we're back on David's Pick with uh, our friend and uh, comrade in arms, Keith Bogle. And uh, Keith's been on before, and we wanted him to come back and talk about what's going on in Johns Creek and the uh, wall that heals and, you know, other things. Also, you're the captain of the Honor Guard, the color, or color Guard, and um, I, 
I think I mentioned this to you before when you were here. Uh, the color guard to me is not just yours, but any color guard uh, brings not chills but goosebumps to me every time and i i see our flag and when uh the flag goes marching by they lower the state flag and the and raise the u.s flag and uh, uh you can't help but think about Imo Jima and you know other other places where our flag and uh, like we had a, a world war ii uh veteran on and um uh, he was a prisoner of war, as a matter of fact, and he said, "When he saw our flag, he knew he was okay." Mm. And uh, you know, this is this is so true. And I, I hope I never get put in the position of coming up on somebody doing something to our flag because I don't know what I'll do, yeah. uh, it, other it, than go crazy. That, that reminds me when my father passed away. Um, he was he was very involved in civic activities. He was a, a youth football coach for forty years and was one of the founders of the local volunteer rescue squad and the Lions Club and all this. And so when he passed, the rescue squad sent had a color guard that stood by his casket at, at the funeral home the whole time, and the funeral home passed by the new uh, color because now it's run by the county and it's combined can combined like everywhere else with the fire station and all that but when they drove past it they had the flag at half staff and they got a letter from the governor saying that they weren't supposed to do that because they didn't have the governor's approval and they said well okay next time (laughs) so so i like that but as far as the color guard uh it's actually one of the more visible other than the, the the park uh it's one of the more visible aspects of the jcva and it's brought us a lot of opportunity um it's also humbling too that with our aging membership, we continue to lose guys from Vietnam for various side effects from Agent Orange. We just lost a World War, I mean a Korea War vet on the on the the last Sunday of February, the what's the twenty seventh. We lost a Korea War vet who was ninety one. We lost a World War Two vet who was. One month shy from ninety. No, he, yeah, one month shy from ninety-seven. Mm. Um, now, I mean, one of the humbling and sobering aspects of the color guard is we've been asked to participate in multiple funeral uh, military funerals. Sometimes handling the process with the flag and all that ourselves. Other times in support of a regular military unit doing it. But it's something that we take very seriously, and we do our best to honor the that. One of the other aspects of it, too, is that we do a lot of... We're in high demand, like on Veterans Day. I'm sure. And there's a um, a senior center up here on Crossville Road, uh, Vickery Rose, that we've done... Um, we've performed, presented to colors there on Veterans Day for a couple of years. Well, it's a rel- relatively large community there, and they have like 40 veterans in residence. And the director there called me one day and said, because uh, we'd struck up a relationship due to our appearances there and she asked me to help her in setting up a, to organizing her veterans and it's just sort of something I was asked just to sort of help with at first and now it's it's I take great joy in working with them each month I have um, I bring different speakers like last month I had um, 
Uh, Hawkeye Sharp was there to tell the folks about Vet Buds, uh, a local uh, veteran support organization. Had Peter Manfrey there telling the veterans about, uh, and uh, hopefully the veterans on the your program, listening to your program, will know about the Atlanta Historical Center has a program currently underway where they're capturing the oral history of veterans. And it doesn't matter if you were in a war zone or if you were a hero or if you served in uh, one of the rear echelons or you stayed stateside, you still have a story to share and something that your family and descendants may be interested in. So it's something that every veteran should consider saving their oral history for posterity. Uh, and and passing it on. Uh, we we preach this all the time that veterans are our history books today. And you've got and no matter how you served, you've got to take your kids up on your knees or up on your lap and uh, explain to them why you did it, what the flag means to you. And, uh, you know, it's just we've got to do it because our our uh, classes, our classrooms are not doing it like they should. And uh, this is history that can't be, it, it's got to be passed on. And that's what you all are doing with the uh, the healing wall. That's that's what we try to do. And um, actually, to counteract the revised history being taught in our schools today. But uh, and and then like next next week at this March monthly meeting, I'm going to have Rick Rick White there to tell them about the Georgia Military Veterans Hall of Fame, because some of those like one guy who's been hosting me every time I go there turns out he has three bronze stars from vietnam wow so i'm going yeah you definitely should talk to him about that so that's that's pretty cool and um give me opportunity to work with other veterans groups you know i just thought of something i, I don't do you remember something you promised me what's that the last time that you were here what's that that when you came in next you'd bring the color guard in and um, oh, have them come marching in and oh, i don't remember saying that <laughs> you know, you got to understand. I got, I've got my color guard. It's actually uh, the mayor of Johns Creek would, did a state of the city address two weeks ago. Yeah, and then my years of, of of leading the color guard is the first time I've accepted a, a an event and then had to cancel because I've got one guy who's kept fighting cancer. I have another one who just had a hip replacement. And a couple others that are somewhat compromised with uh, from whatever the pandemic was. So it's um, and it's like with a lot of groups, we have members, but it's it's hard to get a lot of people to actually, you know, they'll come out and have beer and and, and social hour and stuff, but to actually do stuff, it's um, it's it's a challenge. So we do the best we can with what we've got to work with. But we we all enjoy it. We're dedicated, and our guys will get better, and they'll be back out there for. We get started again. Our next big event will be, I think it's on Saturday the 26th when we're having this year's uh, Vietnam War Memorial uh, Day recognition program at the wall. Final details are still being put together. I was hoping I'd have that for you today. But um, the other the other thing I enjoy about the roles I play is I like it when they come together. I've been doing a lot of volunteer work for Habitat for Humanity on the new build side. Which that's a program that everybody is pretty well uh, familiar with. They've also got a program that it's a veterans home repair program, and 
with my work as Habitat and being a veteran, I've sort of, they recently or last year asked me to step up as I'm now the volunteer liaison for Habitat for Humanity, North Central Georgia chapter for the Veteran Veteran Repair Program. And we just finished a project over in Canton. Guys, Marine, um, colon cancer survivor. He lost his wife eight years ago and basically gave up on life. And around the same time, he was involved in a terrible vehicle accident where he suffered a severe head trauma. So he's in very dire need. Now, there's a very active veterans group in Cherokee County, the Cherokee Veterans, run by uh, Jim Lindenmeyer. And they learned of the guy, and they helped him walk through and apply for help from Habitat. And it's been until like a two-year process because initially there were some problems in getting the documentation needed to get it done. But we finally got it done. And um, Yeah, I want to break in a second. This has been a crime as far as I'm concerned. And that's with the uh, Office of Personnel Records in D.C. And uh, they're the ones that archive and have all of our military 201 files, everything. Everything that you could ever want to know about a veteran is supposedly there. And yet, March the 19th of 2020, they shut down because of COVID. And... I I still haven't gotten records that I needed, and you know it's a it's a travesty. And what they've done, those people, you know, they haven't missed a check. Would you believe that? Yeah. Well, there's also compounded. It was in St. Louis a few years ago when it had the big fire, and a yeah. whole lot of records were lost there too. But but that's you know that was a good while ago, and that was all supposed to be have been regenerated, and yeah, uh, well. When anytime you're dealing with the government, you're going to expect stuff like that. But there's a dedicated group of people that were determined to get this guy help, so That's they great. kept they kept plugging at it. And it's a very it's a very necessary thing because in the state of Georgia alone, there's over ninety five thousand Georgia veterans that are living with one or more major problems of quality, crowding, or cost, and twenty five percent of veterans age fifty five or older are paying more than fifty percent of their income for housing. So Habitat is trying to do it. But this was – and it, it was a joint effort. Um, Jim Lindemeyer from J- Cherokee Veterans, he helped shepherd it through Habitat to get the approvals. Um, they reached out to me. I tried to put some people together to do – they had the subs, you know, the trades, the professionals to come in and do the heavy work. But we had to go in and do the cleanup before and after and some prep. And – there's a lot of money out there for veteran causes, but the way Habitat works is they raise a number. Uh, they have X number of dollars associated with the project. Well, they've got to come up with matching funds to it. So they called me up and said, hey, um, we're $5,000 short from what we've got here, um, what we've allocated for this project. What we, we've estimated the project is going to cost. What we've allocated for it, we've got a $5,000 gap. Can you help us? So I reached out to two organizations. My intent was not to ask them for money, but to ask them for, could they point me in the right direction, looking for a deep pocket or a foundation that would just write the check. And each one of those groups, first one was uh, Hawkeye Sharp, Kent Hawkeye Sharp at VetBuds. 
And he said, well, that sounds like something we can do. He said, I, we'll put us down for $1,000. So he goes through the approval process through his organization, and within like a day and a half, two days, I come back with not only the approval, but with everybody going, this is the kind of projects we should be doing. Now, you got to understand, vet budgets, they already, I've lost count of how many cars they've already given to veterans this year, much less during their duration. Now, they have cars donated to them. These aren't new cars, but they have a member that will pick the car up with his tow truck and take it to a number, another member's garage that fixes it up. Then he takes it back to the vet. And it's, it's basic transportation to get, allow them to get to work, to get their lives back together. They also give scholarships, uh, monthly scholarships, to local students that are in c- colleges around. Uh, I've seen them do it for North Georgia, for uh, Georgia State, that are j- people who have served the country and now are going to college. You think we, uh, you could talk them into coming and being on the show? I was going to. I was. There was a couple people I want to. I was going to recommend to you to have come and talk to you. And then they also support this other organization called Operation Rally Point. And at Operation Rally Point, they find they find hear of a vet that's on the street. They go out and, and that night they're going to have that vet with a roof over his head. And then they work to get them employment. They work to try to get them transportation. Vet Buds helps them a lot with that transportation issue. Other thing with Vet Buds is Vet Buds and Cherokee uh, veterans. Recently spent two weekends combing the woods in Cherokee County looking for homeless vets. Now, they're not going out there browbeat them or whatever, but they're, they got backpacks on them with, with care kits for each one of them for just uh, staples and, um, you know, your toiletries and that kind of thing and looking for any kind of help that they, that they need. Um, it's just it's absolute it just it just warms my heart i it breaks my heart when you see the conditions some of these veterans are in and you got to get that thought out of your head well how can they live like this because you don't know where they've been you don't know what they're going through so the only thing you can do is just see where they're at and what you can do to help and hopefully that is the spark that'll change the rest of their life around um and then so we got the groups together, and then the, I, I contacted the JCVA, and last year we set up a veteran relief fund, and I'm on the board, and uh, I, I know when we set it up, our vision was maybe $250, $500, maybe 1000 to help a vet out in a temporary situation, but nothing of the magnitude of $4,000, but... They all they all jumped on it and said, yes, this is what we should be doing, and so then I got the money for them, and then it's because I got them more money, they were able to leverage that into getting more money. So I'm I'm working with the project manager who's doing the home repair, and we were going through initially. So well, don't we be careful around here because if we break it, we've got to replace it, and I'm already over budget as it is. Well, the vice president from Habitat came through, and with the additional funds, she said, "No, you replace that. No." So we were able to do even better job and then after the houses i mean it was it was a disaster but after everything's been fixed now the veterans thrift store in cherokee county unbeknownst the last i heard he hadn't been surprised yet but unbeknownst to him the the veterans uh, thrift store in cherokee county was going to donate the furnishings that we'd had to throw away because they were in such bad shape. He's going to get a couch. He's going to get a bed. He's going to get some of these amenities for his house. 
The only thing missing was washer dryer and electric stove. When we were out this past Saturday finishing up the yard work to clean up, two of the volunteers there were from the Cherokee County Rotary Club, and we told them what the problem was. Now they're taking care of it. And just to see the way the people come together, it's a small segment of society, but it's an important segment, and, and they're doing good work. And the only hope is is that the word of those deeds get out so that people know that of those in need and that they're out there doing the work. And if you don't want to come out and shovel, uh, swing a hammer or you don't want to come out and shovel out depleted uh, insulation or whatever a job may require, you know, write, open your checkbook out and help these people out. It's, it's, you know, it turned out to be, it started out as like a part-time thing just to keep me busy when I was bored and now it's become a lifelong, it's like, like, it's like a life's obsession now to do more I can. And the more you do, the more you're asked to do too. So it's, it's, um, it gives life meaning. I enjoy it very much. Well, you know, Keith, uh, I'm ecstatic and and proud of our country that it has. And I, I'm not going to give credit or blame to anybody, but um, the reaction of people to vets now has certainly changed from. 1970, 1969, 1970, 1971 or two. And, you know, I, I'm glad, it, I mean, I'm ecstatic that it has, that uh, we can go to organizations, we can, and, you know, like I said, I, like yourself, Vietnam veteran era, I was never in country, but I'm, I have a, a lot of friends that uh, never served, and uh, like you said, today only 1%. But the nice part about that 1%, in my opinion, is that we're getting the cream of the crop, and we have Indeed. the cream of the crop in, the, in all branches. And um, as I said earlier, no matter where you are as a young man, young woman, there's a military branch that has a place for you and will strike your interest beyond words. Uh, whether it's logistics, it's intel, it's floating a boat, being in a submarine, whatever it happens to be, there's a branch of the military that will can easily best, offer you an occupation. Best training in the world, especially in today's society with uh, the cybersecurity. You can't get better cybersecurity training than you're going to get in the military. That's true. And, the, true. and in the Navy used to be the place to go to get your nuclear training. So, yeah, they're very aspects. And one thing I wanted to mention earlier when you first uh, did that request about people considering military service is someone else I think you should have on your show, too, is Ed Postel. He's a local director. Uh, he's the director of the local chapter. We've had him on. Oh, have you? Yeah. Oh, excellent. Yeah, Ed is. He's um, he's coming out. He spoke. I've had him speak to the JCVA. He's coming out to speak to my veterans at Victory Rose. And the other thing I love about him is he just he talks. He wants to talk to the director there. That he just wants to come by and every now and then and take one of their vets out to to uh, take them out for coffee just to get them out and get a break. 
<laughs> Hawkeye, you know, I was talking about Hawkeye at Vet Buds. He was telling uh, he because he came and he he spoke to the the group at uh, Victory Rose a couple weeks ago, or for February, and so he was telling another vet about what I'm doing, and so then I get a text from Hawkeye and he's going. Uh, well, I was telling this vet about what you're doing there with the at the with the 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 guys, the veterans at the Victory Rose, and he's retired Air Force, and he's got a band. He wants to come and put a concert on for him. That's great, and it's that's just vets getting together to help vets, and um, it's and you know when we talk about our service, and you know I've alluded to the t- that the years I was in weren't probably the best. From the military, as far as the way it was perceived for the rest of the country, but one of the guys at Hawkeye's uh, Vet Buds uh, breakfast last month, he, he something he said stuck with me. He says, "He says I, I work hard. And I'm a better veteran than I was. Uh, uh, I, I, I'm better as a veteran than I was when I was in. You know, because you, you may or may, like you said, you raise your right hand, and then a lot of that takes. You know, the government decides what you do and where you do it, how you do it." But it's up to you as what how you are as a vet afterwards, and I I think that applies to me very much that I'm I'm a better veteran than I was when I was in the military because it was very challenging and it wasn't it was a weird time. But I'm trying to make up for it now by helping those that that had it different than I did. When uh, you know, as you mentioned about uh, the vets that uh, are homeless or on the street or whatever. And I'd like to, uh, and I and I generally do mention this, is that if you see a vet or you see somebody that's on active duty at the airport or train station or wherever it might be, either buy them a cup of coffee, and I tell you what, it will certainly please them, and, and the, just the recognition that you respect that they're in the service or have been in the service, but you'll get more out of it than they will. The feeling that will go over you or come over you when you see that they've got a smile on their face, they're eating the apple pie or they're having that drink or the cup of coffee or a full meal that you might buy them, it will make you feel much, much better than it will them. And it's not that they're not appreciative. It's just the fact that you have done a little bit part of making somebody that has raised their hand and sign the check like Rick White says uh, that they have they're serving our country it's not their country it's not their flag it's our flag and whether you served or didn't serve it's still our country and you can you can give support in a thousand different ways now do you all take uh, donations or mm-hmm. okay what yeah uh, they go to jcvets.org oh that was the thing i was to say uh we have the vid- videos are being produced of our vietnam war dedic- wall dedication and for the special ceremony they did for the afghan dead uh and those videos will be available on our website as well as people can go and learn more about the park its location or make donations and that's jcvets.org one other thing, Keith, uh, and we we do this. It it blows my mind. We do a special show called "Remembering Desert Shield and Desert Storm," and the reason we do it is that was the latest war that we were really involved in, and hopefully that doesn't change. But it was only thirty years ago, thirty-one years ago, 
and people have already forgotten it. Why did we go to the Middle East? What was Desert Shield about? What was Desert Storm about? And people, we can't, and this is one thing that I'm dedicated to at the station, is that we have to keep remembering our veterans and the ones that have fought and given the ultimate sacrifice. And with that being said, we have to remember their families. The wives that stayed behind or the spouse that stayed behind, the kids that were without a father for a year or two years. or well, And uh, like I said, I'm going through that right now with my youngest son. And uh, he has the cutest six-month-old that you can imagine, but he's going to miss a hell of an opportunity because he's serving our country. And um, yeah, their sac- the families family sacrifice is different, but it's no less real. Than oh yeah, the they military. they serve just like the person that's deployed. Exactly, and uh, it's just in different ways. And if you happen to have somebody in your neighborhood that their spouse is deployed, please take the time to go over and visit with them, or ask them if there's anything that you can do for them, or take them a meal, or just you know maybe it's mowing the grass or maybe it's changing a light bulb but take care of our active duty people as well as our veterans and uh, Keith I want to thank you for coming in today it's time for us to get out of here already thank you for having uh, me David now okay I asked you once would you come back and and here you are you showed up can I ask you again will you come back sure certainly well, I'd like to keep posted on what's going on in the with the wall and uh, with everything else. So, folks, you've been listening to America's Web Radio and uh, David's Pick. We'll be back next week with more information and another veteran. The views, opinions, and content of the show hosts and their guests appearing on America's Web Radio are their own and do not necessarily reflect those of the station. You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening.